The bloody and burglarous Sushiko chaos must wrap a pandemic A2. Noir ladies and gentlemen, sheriff of Nottingham, stinker redacted and coup. Restaurante Italian, Morden Marissa, betrayal and house on the hill. Bonanza show manager, corporate America's by call 10 minutes to kill. With some wages done, who knows the Vegas times to Hello and welcome to Board of Games, the podcast where we talk about all of the games you can put on your table and in front of your eyeballs. My name is Lachlan Albert and I am joined as always by the wonderful Jeff Setti. Jeff, how you doing, brother? I'm really well, mate. I'm really well. At the moment, getting lots of board games in, which is wonderful. Good to hear. Just quickly, we'll do a quick pitch that Thursday night will be live over at Wrestle Radio Australia, so make sure you're following that if you like us. But if you're here for the board games, man, the place to be is twitch.tv slash Podcast, where you can follow what we're doing. We'll mention quickly, you can also follow us at Board of Games Podcast on Facebook. Uh, head on or we're just Board of Games on Facebook, in fact, and you can catch us live there. You can catch us on social media at Board of Games Pod in most places. And uh, we'll have some more on that front as well. But we'll also mention that if you really like any of the games that we mentioned and you want to get your hands on them, Vault Games is a great recommendation for somewhere to get them. And if you use vaultgames.com.au slash Board of Games Podcast, you will be able to show your support for us, show the Vault Games team where that love is coming from, and that'll benefit the stream and all that we do here. But enough with the plugs. It's been an exciting couple of weeks because, Jeff, <laughs> you've been somewhere and you're so happy about it, you've got it written across the top of your head. I love the way you're going, enough with the plugs, and Jeff is wearing a branded beanie from the biggest <laughs> games convention in the Southern Hemisphere, both video and board, uh, essentially, uh, what it is focused on, as well as one crazy wrestling panel show on the Saturday afternoon. But we'll talk about that at 9 o'clock on, uh, at uh, 8.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time on Thursday at Wrestle Radio Australia. PAX this year was fantastic. Uh, I always, always, always have a great time at PAX. I walk until I can't walk anymore. Uh, you're, you're walking around 15,000 steps a day, unless you're my friend James, who stood in the line for seven hours to meet Erica Ishii, uh, which is a bit nutty, but there you go. Hello, James, if you're It's listening. a long time, but for a very cool person. Oh, and then a mate of mine two days later was buying dice at one of the stalls and bumped into Erica Ishii, who signed the <laughs> dice for us, <laughs> which is just life. Um, look, this was great this year. Uh, I will be talking about one of the games in depth. There are uh, PAX is wonderful in that it has games early. So there are a few games which have either just hit Australia, uh, which is one I'll be talking about soon, and I'll, it, it was uh, Septima, which is a witch's game where there are witches on the board. There's the main witch, and to become the main witch, you have to survive and cure people. But the more people you cure, the more suspicion is raised. It looks really good. I'll get a play in of it soon, as well as a heap of other games, a heap of independent studios and, and new people who are just playtesting games or want to want to develop more and get feedback, which is kind of playtesting. And, and that's fantastic. I'll have news about a friend's game soon, which is really exciting. Uh, but this was a tremendous PAX, and it was all about new games, playtesting games, hanging out with friends, grabbing from their amazing games library, which is, you can imagine, it's it's phenomenally big. And just being around for three days and being in that atmosphere and, and getting a lot of board games in, there was some blood on the clock tower. But I was going to say, I did you get the, the blood on the clock tower game in? We got, I mean, the, the, the rooms were so busy. I, I had no energy left to play. There was a huge <laughs> werewolf game, I think. But the, the biggest blood on the clock tower can go is about 24. And then it gets then it gets too unwieldy. Oh, just what a tiny little game taking 24 players. Yeah. Um, I, and I've got some news about blood on the clock tower at the end. Remind me of that. I'm going to be Ooh. at the Benigo Games weekend on the 27th to the 29th of October, and I will be storytelling Blood on the Cocktail there. So if you're going to be there, come and say hi and play a game or two. You'll love it. Um, so, But the thing that excited me most, Lachlan, was, are you ready? Space bees! Yes. All right. Bees in space. Uh, well, let's not was... muck around anymore. It sounds like it's time to talk about new games. A new game.
I'd forgotten you were doing that. It's a brand new <laughs> game. It's actually not out yet. It won't be out to around December. It'll be coming out for Christmas. It's Stone Myers Christmas uh, board game. It's releasing in the US in November. We got our hands on it earlier at PAX, and it's called Apiary. Apiary, bugger that. No, it's called Space Bees. Space Yes, why not? This is a delightful worker placement game. In the same way that you smile all the way through Flamecraft, you smile all the way through Apiary. Um, the, there's a love, some lovely things you can do. You can draft goods. You can buy farms to when you uh, when you pull your bees back because you can either keep them where they are and keep building up or you can retrieve them and if you retrieve them the farms will give you special abilities you can get you can carve honey and that gives you really nice abilities at the end of the game you can draft more recruits you can get your bees back uh, look there's so much you can do in this game and the nicest thing is any space is open as long as you don't mind bumping someone up a, a, a value and then they come back oh. with a strong B. I love that. I love that. And what I also love is after four, after a strength of four, if you're bumped off, you then have to hibernate, which is wow. a tremendous I, thing. I've been hyped for Apiary, but I haven't quite, like, it's one of those things where to look into what's actually going on, I've heard all the buzz about it, no pun intended, but. I haven't actually seen what the mechanical hook is here, but yeah, I want to make sure I'm understanding. It's a worker placement game, but if you go somewhere someone else already is, that's fine. It just makes them better. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. It makes them stronger. Brilliant. How good is that? And then once you're at a strength four, as I was saying, you have to go and hibernate. Once all the hibernation pods are full, or one player loses all of their hibernation token, end game is activated. You go around the table one more time. And then you find a winner. But the Beautiful. brilliant thing is there's lots of pathways to win. Not in yes, it's a it's a, a a point game. So you score the points, that's how you win. But there are lots of ways to create that score. So for example, there's a Queen's track down the bottom. You make it all the way to the end of the Queen's track and you get 25 points at the end. There's also a carve ability that means that, and, and this is what I pulled last night because we played it. Uh, it means that whatever space you're on. In the uh, queen's favor, you get you you get to double it, and I was at twenty five, so I got fifty points. And it's Very just nice. great. It's just great. Um, there's an autonomous version. It's uh, there are multiple cards of each type, including ships. So you're always going. The, the replayability is enormous. Uh, this is this is undeniably an amazing game. Just a great game. And, and it's a Stonemaier production as well, right? So yeah, it's Stonemaier. That... So you know the components are going to be beautiful. The bees yeah. look amazing. There's fiber, there's pollen, and there's water. And you manage your goods, and then you buy more, and then you get more. It's like one of those games that you just smile through. You enjoy playing it because it is beautiful. It's so well presented. Stonemaier don't make bad games from that perspective. And this is what, look, I could rave about this for days. And again, again, let me be clear. It's all about space space. space. I like that you had to be clear on that one, Jeff. Um, mm. So, yeah, apparently the buzz is real. I'm um, glad you said that because at least you're not pulling my leg. That's exactly. We could do this all night, Jeff, genuinely. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and but, you're sweeter than sugar, so let's move. Sweeter than honey, let's move. Oh, I want to play this game so bad. And I already <laughs> wanted to play it really badly. But now that I know that central mechanic, because the way you hear people talk about certain game know that they're going mm -hmm. to pop. And this was one of those that as soon as people were talking about it, it was always going to be huge. At PAX, I, I was speaking to the game distributor early because of the show, I, I get it slightly early access. And I was speaking to the game distributor there and I said, how many did you bring? And they said, Two and a half thousand. I said, "How many have you got left?" They said, 200 If you want to buy it, yeah. buy it now, mate. We'll give it. We'll sell it to you now at the Sunday discount price. Because the other thing about packs didn't mention earlier is you walk around an hour before, and they don't want to cut all those board games up. So you just go, "Can I have that <laughs> this much?" And I did that. I got the big Quacks box. I got Expeditions: The Sequel to Scythe. 
and I got a few more. I will be talking about some of these games really soon, including Septima, which is the one I was talking about with the Witches earlier. Really excited to play that. So uh, there'll be lots of content from me about this thing, which is always a delight. And Lachlan, I hope to see you down here next year for it, mate. I'm crossing fingers that we can make it happen. So look, unfortunately, my game, my new game is not going to be quite as new as Jeff's, but I managed to get my hands on something that uh, at least for me here in Queensland just landed in retail after a uh, a classic cool mini or not giant Kickstarter a while back. This is Massive Darkness 2 Hellscape. Now, Massive Darkness is classic cool mini or not kickstarter dungeon crawler it's got a bajillion cards it's got a bajillion tiles it's got massive miniatures and you go around a dungeon and you roll dice and you try to kill stuff great good stuff can't go wrong with that kind of thing i don't really have a whole lot of dungeon crawler games i tend to think that you only really need one or two right Mm. so in the past i've played like descent and i think descent was kind of the dungeon crawler that I would play. I haven't sure. really felt the need to go elsewhere. Um, I have got uh, a game that the name escapes me right now, but it's the game where you play as ghosts on a train. What was that one? Vagrant Song. Um, Vagrant, Vagrant Song. Song Which I've heard kind is of, brilliant. Yeah, does a really good job of getting a dungeon crawler into a really small box. Um, but Massive Darkness 2 Hellscape, and I'll be really specific here, We're talking about Massive Darkness 2, not Massive Darkness. Massive Darkness is just a dungeon crawler. What I'm talking about right now is Massive Darkness 2. And the reason I make that emphasis is because this game does something with the dungeon crawler genre that made me excited enough to go out and spend the big amount of money on the big box to get this game. And that is that it does all the classic dungeon crawler stuff. You get items to face off different monsters and there's events when you open decks open doors and you get upgrades and you level up as you go through but each of the character classes there's always character classes in these things you play as the barbarian you play as the rogue you play as the wizard and normally it affects which cards you can play that's not how it works in massive darkness 2 it's how it worked in massive darkness in massive darkness 2 every class has a unique mechanism to play the game so if you are playing as say the uh the Barbarian, which I played at, or he's called the Berserker, I believe, every time you take damage, instead of just losing that health token, that token goes into a rage pool. And over next to that rage pool, there's three different stances, and you can pay rage to change your stance, which gives you different abilities. And then you can put new abilities onto each stance. So you're constantly manipulating your levels of rage, trying to take damage to move stances, to deal lots of damage, to get an extra rage, to move back to the stance where you can take more damage to get more rage. Whereas if you're playing the rogue, like my partner played, instead of just taking three actions in a turn, you have a literal bag full of tokens and you pull three tokens and you can use those to do actions, but they have a bonus for certain types of actions. So, ooh, I drew the token that gives me extra movement. So I'll use that first and I'll move an extra space. And then this one gives me extra attack damage if I do an attack. So I'll do an attack next and do that. So they've got a whole bag to themselves that no one else has. If you're playing the wizard, you've got a rondelle, a whole a whole moving circular piece <laughs> where you put spells on different sections and a thing twists around every time you play a spell. So you've got to manipulate when you play your different spells with different timing. There's oh, you that's can play as cool. you can play as an archer. The archer has a deck of cards that are a push your luck game. They've got a whole push your luck game that no other class gets where all the cards have different effects for hit bullseye or or miss, and they also have a different number of arrows on them. You can flip over as many as you want. If you go over seven, you miss, and you take all the negative effects on those cards. If you stop when you're under seven, you take all the hit effects. If you make it to exactly seven, you do all the bullseye effects that you pull. So there's a whole push your luck if you're playing the archer. It is so exciting to be able to pull out one of these massive games and go, hmm, there's seven different like experiences that I could have just based on which character I play as, right? And then not only that, I also love that, and this sounds a bit weird, it's not a legacy game, right? You don't have to do this big, long campaign. You pick one of the quests in the back of the book, 
you set up that quest, you're going to level up during that quest and decide what kind of leveling up you're going to do as you sit down for the one game, and then you pack it up and you'll level up differently next time. Love it. Really pumped for this one. Obviously, it's expensive because it's got a whole ton of plastic in it, as Simon is wont to do. But I I had a really good time with this one, and this is now my dungeon crawler of choice. Does it play solo? It sounds like it would. It does play solo. Yeah. And so and, space I forgot to mention that. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned there is an automa. Yeah, uh, well, but yeah, this is this is one of those ones where because it's cooperative anyway it takes like two little notes to the rules to play it solo. You get an extra mm. action and monsters activate slightly differently. And boom, you're playing a solo. Um, yeah, definitely on the bigger side of games, but this is one where I see it as worth it because I think the amount of time I'm going to get out of this, it's a game where if you pull it out, you're playing for at least two hours, right? Because mm. it is a big dungeon crawler, but... I can see myself wanting to try every scenario with every character class because the variation is so much. I don't necessarily yeah. know that I want to get into the million and one expansions that Simon obviously offered during the Kickstarter because, as always, if you love bits of sharp plastic, Simon's got you covered. But what's in this box is just unreal. I'm, I'm really happy with it. That's Massive Darkness 2 Hellscape. That does seem fun. It hasn't got space bees, but, you know. It, it doesn't have space bees that I'm aware of. That's right. Um, <laughs> well, if you do, if you're if you coming in late to the Twitch stream, I, I had a look at Apiary tonight, which isn't out till December, but I think Lachlan is now chomping at the bit. And I told him in our I, chat he'd be, he'd be waking up tomorrow going, is it December yet? <laughs> if I could leave the stream right now to play Apiary, I would. <laughs> it's um, wonderful. But unfortunately, that game is a bit too new for us, so we're going to have to go to some classics. Old games. Jeff, okay. you want to talk about a game that's been around for... And look, I don't want to put a condition on you. It's October. We're getting into the spooky season. Can you talk about something spooky? I think I can do that. The game I'm going to talk about today... I love, and I know I know from previous chats that you have a slight issue with this game. I do, and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> we're going to talk about that. Uh, the game I'm going to talk about is Betrayal at House of the This is uh, now in its fourth or fifth edition, so they're constantly trying to improve it. Essentially, it is a dungeon crawler, and it's a dungeon crawler where it's largely cooperative, but it's one against many. Uh, and you walk around and you can find an object, you can find a, um, a can we just put up Ree's statement? Ree, Ree Bell has joined us tonight in the chat and she said, the whole house has just cheered for this game. And then some other person who I've never met before said, I love this game. Thank you, Timothy Camilleri. Strange person. Ree and met. Timothy, I'm glad that you enjoy this. You're allowed to be wrong. It's fine. <laughs> so you can find an object. You can find an omen. Or you can start the horn. And starting the horn is awesome. It's that great feeling because it might not be the person who discovered the horn who's the evil. It might be someone else. And that's when it becomes one against many. And it's um, it's a collaborative game and there's many ways to win and there's many ways to think the puzzle through. And it's most exciting when everyone's given an important different job. And you go ahead and you start doing the job and you conclude things. And it's just great. It's a wonderful game. It's variable. It changes. Oh, I, look, I love it. My only slight problem is sometimes tracking through all of the floor cards can be a pain in the butt. But that's a small quibble when a game offers so much. And it's really, really replayable and good. Okay, here we go. I'm going to preface this with the fact that I have not played the third edition of Betrayal. I've played right. both of the first two editions of Betrayal. I haven't played third edition. So everything I'm about to say, it's very possible that the answer is, it's much better in third edition. That's entirely possible. My issues with Betrayal, on Betrayal at House on the Hill, and it's not issue, it is issues. They stem from the fact that because the game is trying to do so much, and I appreciate how much it's trying to do, because it's trying to do so much, it can't do anything consistently well, in my view. The stories are 
a giant mishmash of creepy house Halloween tropes, right? And that's fun and that's goofy and that's great. But when they try to put that many different themes on the one game, because it's an alien abduction game and it's also a game where you fight a mummy and it's also a game where there's a horde of zombies attacking you and it's also a game where one of you gets turned into a vampire and you've got to turn all the others, right? And the result is that there's no guarantee that the game that you're going to have is good. I've played games of Betrayal, where because I've played it a few times. It's a very well-loved game. And I want to give it the chance to wow me. I've played several games where we have not hit the haunt for over an hour and a half, which means that there's nothing to do, no goal of the game other than explore for like 90 minutes. And then we hit the haunt and the haunt reveals and the game basically says, oh, that player is going to win now. Okay. Right. It, if uh-huh. I could sit down to this game and know that when the haunt triggers, it's going to be balanced, I would. I would sing from the rooftops about this game because the say, theme is so beautiful. I'm going to say two things, right? Firstly, the Legacy Edition knocks almost all of that out, as you can imagine, because it's I would hope pump. so, yeah. It's pretty pumped. Secondly, the third edition knocks a lot of that out as well. While I agreed with you about editions one, mainly one and a little bit two, by three they really crank it together and there's some clever haunts. I played a haunt a few weeks ago with some friends where the evil was solvable, but it was all based around, and I'm not going to go into it too many details in case people play and, and don't want to spoil, but it was all based around the Fibonacci sequence. The whole game was based around the Fibonacci sequence, and I'm like, my God, this is brilliant. So while I would concur on issues one and two, on, on versions one and two, three is a lot better, and the... Uh, the 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 extended packs they're releasing now are a lot better. Like it's all been tidied up, and it's all so much better. Um, and I think it's a credit of the game to improve itself. It's a credit of the game Absolutely. to go. Absolutely, we we were doing the wrong thing by some of our players, particularly a Mr. Lachlan Albert of Queensland. <laughs> but but um, they've certainly gone to great great lengths to tidy all of that up and make it all really really like compact and move faster. Um, while still having, you know, the delightful dungeon crawl and search aspects of it. I Look, I still love the game, one or two, uh, one, two or three, I still love the game. Uh, but I, I I can concede that there are some haunts where it's like, hey, the guy's just got the haunt, he's going to win because he just has to go into the room that's right next to him. Sometimes that's yeah. chance and sometimes that's bad organisation. I've also had games where exactly the opposite happens and it's like, oh, this person is the the traitor and they have to get five objects that are in rooms of the house that haven't been revealed yet. Also, they yeah. didn't pick up any items during the explore phase. Also, yeah. the person with the giant weapon is standing right next to them. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, well, okay. And, and I, 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 I think that's fine because you know what you're going to get. And as long as the game hasn't gone on too long, you can, you can just re- restart. Um, but what I will you know, say is it shows the strength of the game that I have been complaining about it for probably a decade at this point, and yet I would still have a game of third edition. If someone was really wanting to play third edition tell- and it was people that I get along with, I'd play it. I tell you what, Lachlan, I tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit disturbed by this. You think you know horror games so well. How about at the end of the show... We just we just talk about three horror games we love, or or a couple more if we want some honorable. Mentions. I can I can like, out talk horror games to you all day. I'll I'll fire off honorable mentions at the end of this show, baby. We'll I'll challenge it. you to do that. This isn't playing right. at all. Let's move on. Not at all. Not at all. It's not like we've got a run sheet we're coming off. But look, if we want to talk about an kind of a classic game, I'll tell you a game that didn't need to be fixed with two more editions. How about that? How about I talk about one of the most perfect worker placement games of all time? I'm going to no talk about game. Stone Age. Stone Age is an absolute killer. I've mentioned this game uh, in the past in drafting as one a great intro game. This yes, is have. a game that I, I love to show people because it takes a couple of really simple mechanics and makes them so tactile and 
it, it makes you want those points. It's a, mm. it's a really simple worker placement. You start with a couple of workers. There's some spaces on the board. You put your workers out. Then once everyone's put their workers out, for every worker in a spot, you roll a die. And if it's valuable enough, you get the thing that you set out to get. Because it's the Stone Age. Your people aren't, you know, guaranteed to get something when they go out and try to hunt food. Sometimes they'll go and there won't be any food to find. Other times they'll go and they'll find a mammoth that's on its last legs and they'll take it down and you'll come home with a ton of food. So the randomization is really clever in that it it does thematically show what it's trying to simulate while being such a tight little Euro game. There's different resources. There's food, obviously, which you need to feed your people because it's a classic Euro game and you lose points if you don't feed all of your workers. <laughs> then there's wood, clay, stone, and gold, and those are progressively worth more. But then also there's an agriculture track, which you can go up so that you don't need to feed a person every round for every agriculture you've got. So maybe you just send a person off there and that means you don't have to send your people out to hunt for food. Maybe you send a person into the shack where, into the shed where they can make a tool and that will let you increase a die value by one every round. And so maybe you start getting lots of tools so that you can manipulate your die rolls so that you only need to send one person out to hunt food because they've got enough tools that they're guaranteed to bring something home. Maybe you send two people into what we sometimes call the love shack and other times call some different terms where two people go in and three people come out. That one's pretty wild. Don't know how that happens in the Love Shack. But then all you're doing is really simple resource manipulation. You send your people out, you roll dice to find how many resources you get. Then you send people to places where they can spend those resources for victory points. It's so simple. And yet it's cutthroat. You send people to these spots where there's only enough spots for a few people to go. And it's like, well, I'm going to send five guys there because I really need some clay this round. And the person to your left goes, oh, no, I need clay this round. I can send one person there, but I'll only get to roll one die. Do I try that? Do I instead just decide that I'm going to go all in on stone this round? The dice randomizing it are such a clever little twist to a really basic worker placement system that I, I can't get enough of this game. And if you buy a copy, the cup stinks. Cup's made of leather. It smells. You got it. Yeah. Tell new players to sniff the cup. It's tradition. Um, I love Stone Age. I can't rave about it enough. It is not a new game by any stretch, but I think it does everything you want in a worker placement. Full stop. Unreal. Sounds delightful. Sounds very good. I have no complaints about it. None at all. I'm not going to Great. sit here for half an hour and say they need to make another edition. Um, well, well, you'd have to be pretty you know, intelligent to know that they would have to do that. So I understand you, the problem. You know what the nice thing about Space Freddy's was What's before that? it was before it was made by Stonemire. Well, it was always made by Stonemire, but they initially put it up on Kickstarter. Kickstarter, you say, is some kind of crowdfunding? Crowdfunding, indeed. Crowdfunding. Jeff, what's out on yes, crowdfunding moment? Yeah, uh, I found some interesting things on crowdfunding, including this board game table that folds in half. I think this is just such a great idea. Uh, the table comes, like the Kickstarter comes with a nice neoprene mat and some extra bits and pieces, but you basically fold it up. You can put it in your car. You can drive it to someone's house without a big table. You can play your board games. You fold it back up. For someone like me who's by myself, something like this would be great. Just pull up a Sorry chair to and play a board. For anyone listening to the audio, this one is called Game Fold. It's apparently oh, the yes. first folding table designed for gaming. I am, yes, quite right. Game Fold, the first, as Lachlan said, it's now on Kickstarter. It's kind of $2 million invested in it already. This is going to be a huge success. I'm really tempted to back this. But the shipping cost is going to be insane. It's just going to be so high. Because for your average game right now, it's about $50. So yuck. But this is going to be wonderful. Look, I'm, I'm so looking forward to getting my hands on it. And I think it's going to be a lovely game to play. Um, and yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be really, really nice. Ree just said, yeah. uh, my favourite game I've crowdfunded is Match Breaker. 
destroy your friend's dream date. Jeff watched an amusement as Timothy and I attempted to destroy each other in the game. No, I also played with you, Ree. I did play one game and I lost. Uh, but, yes, it was very amusing to watch them. Uh, but this is this is wonderful. Look, I'm so excited about this and I'll, I probably will back it. The thing I'll mention with Game Fold is you're right. It is not going to be the cheapest thing in the world. I think it's about 250 bucks for the table plus whatever the shipping will end up costing, which I shudder to think about. But on the other hand, these gaming tables are expensive beasts. They are they are definitely a a treat for people who love gaming. They're not made for just, you don't have to have a gaming table to play board games. But if you're the kind of person who wants to play on a gaming table, these things normally are in the four-digit range. So the idea of getting a $250 one that you can fold up and take somewhere is is unreal. I think it's a really cool proposition. Um, yeah. And, and then Muggins, it's also got... Muggins, I was going to say, Muggins here is probably going to wind up buying one. So, you know, yeah. watch this space, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's also got, I've noticed, like, accessory slots to put cup holders, and it comes with the big uh, the big neoprene that goes over the whole table. It's, it's everything you want. Um, now, yes. normally I talk about a little game when we do these. I don't really have the little one today. What I do have is a big old beast of a game. This one's currently on GameFound, and it's called aberration this is Sorry, a game can, that... can i just can i just interrupt you um uh, reese just just put the the uh link in for the uh gaming table if you want to if you want to drop that oh so if you're currently watching us at twitch.tv slash board of games podcast in the chat you'll be able to find that link from uh mm. from rebel um or sorry, Rebel is actually watching on Facebook, which you can also do. You can follow Board of Games on Facebook and be able to see our conversations live as they happen and contribute as Rebel has and, done. And Peter just said, Kickstarter just takes my pay at this point. I can't wait for Merchants. <laughs> yeah, Merchants Cove, Peter has backed. And I'm actually patiently waiting for Peter to get Merchants Cove so I can play it. Uh, we are on Twitch. Oh, Re-catch up. Um yeah, so Aberration is currently on GameFound. Again, this one doesn't have quite as much plastic as some of those enormous cool mini or not, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Projects that we mm. are so used to seeing with just mountains of plastic. But this is a bit of a big old heavy game, and it's a tower defense game that has yeah. such a beautiful circular design that puts the base in the middle of the table with horrific creatures coming at you from every direction and then uses a bag building mechanism to have you protect this central tower uh, as these big plastic beasties come for you with asymmetric player powers and a board that you can build up with special abilities. This one looks really interesting. I'm... I'm mighty tempted on this one, and it's by Ghostfire Gaming. I I really am on the fence with this one. I think I'm going to end up backing it. It normally looks too big for something I would get on a crowdfund, but mechanically the idea of a bag-building tower defense game with asymmetric player powers, that's just too juicy to pass up, I think. So that one's aberration game found. That looks... That looks fun. I was just laughing at you saying, oh, you know, it's too big. It looks great. It's, you know, there's too much in there. I don't normally back it. I've just spoken about getting a freaking table. <laughs> yep, very true. Connor McLennan says, damn, this game is a certified 10. Connor, you're a certified 10, mate. Uh, Jeff, <laughs> have you got a certified 10 that you want to talk about? I've got, it look, look, this looks like a lot of fun. Uh, this is uh, this is basically a board game, Melvania, uh, Metrovoid, Metrovania. Sorry, I always get the name of that wrong. It's the board game of Metrovania. This looks like a lot of fun. It's it's a Canadian game. It's a roguelike board game uh, based on that video game, and it just looks so nutty and so much fun. Uh, it's the I game think in question being Dead Cells you're talking about here, Jeff. Is Dead that Cells. Right? Oh, sorry, Dead Cells, the roguelike board game. Thank you very much, Dead Cells. It just it just looks so much fun. I think it's cooperative. 
um, but yet it'll have a bit of a hidden, hidden role game, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, it just looks terrific. I don't know if you've played the Dead Cells video game, Jeff, have you? Yes. I I really enjoy Dead Cells. I'm a big fan of roguelites in general, games where dying is mechanically part of the game because you come back stronger with whatever you found the first time you were alive. Mm. And the idea of putting that into a co-op board game, I think is genius. Uh, Not only that, it's made by Scorpion Mask, who... I kind of can't speak highly enough about they've done some really weird stuff like the uh the zombie kids evolution and zombie teens evolution and the production that they put in is a little bit unnecessary for how clean the games are so I think that this one is probably a winner um it's currently on game found as a post campaign buy you can do as a late pledge is that right yeah Yes, it is. So you probably want to get into it. Now, the nicest thing about GameFound, and I mentioned this last time and I'll keep mentioning it for a while, is they let you pay over four months. So even if you're spending $600, it'll come out in smaller installments in in four of 150 instead of one hit of 600. I think that's a wonderful idea. Um, Yeah, love it. And uh, that one I'm probably going to press a button on tonight because it's also Canadian, so it's that little bit cheaper for us. Shipping will still be a pain in the butt, but it's a little bit cheaper. Speaking of shipping, Ree has mentioned the shipping of that table is only $75 to $95. So not bad at all. Hello, table. I get paid tomorrow. Hello, table. (laughs) Um, Sorry. Well, look, I... I'll talk about a game that's currently on crowdfunding that you might want to put on your table. This one's on Kickstarter, and this is one of the easiest pitches I'll ever have to make for a crowdfunding game. Hey, want a new Reiner Knizia game? Because it's here. It's called Cascadero. Uh, Not only is this Cascadero, it's also Cascadito, which is a roll-and-write game inspired by Castadero, also designed by Reinsia, and a reprint of Zuvardis, also designed by Reiner Knizia, all wrapped up in the one project. Now, obviously, Cascadero being a new Reiner Knizia game, if you know anything about The Mad Doctor, you'll know that it's kind of hard to understand exactly what the game is going to play like even when you're reading the rules. Reiner Knizia is such a master of making a game that the rules are so simple that you almost don't understand how it's a game until you sit down and the pieces start moving and you go, oh, this is the craziest thing I've ever played. (laughs) So having Cascadero as uh, his new game, which is a big uh, hex-based kind of score point scoring combo building thing um it looks really exciting and then to also have a little roll and write game that uses similar mechanics in the same kickstarter is very exciting and not only that the reason that i found this kickstarter is because i wanted zuvardis which is getting a reprint through this kickstarter again a reiner knizia game and this one is i have a bit of trouble getting negotiation games to the table and Zuvardis is a Reiner Knizia negotiation game. I want to play it with all of my heart, where you play as different animals in a zoo who are all dressed up in, like, Roman attire, who are having political, like, arguments and negotiations over who should get to be the new mascot for the zoo. And then it's a, so it, it's a negotiation game where you move animals to different enclosures in the zoo to get majorities in enclosures to vote in certain ways to get you towards being the new mascot. Um, yeah, I I think that this is three games in one Kickstarter and they all look like slam dunks to me. Look, I'm, I'm going to be honest. This is this has rapidly become the greatest podcast we've ever done, including the other <laughs> show. I mean, you've had space, please, and political animals. I mean, it's just, it, what more could you want? I know what you could want. A draft! It's time to draft. All right, Lachlan, earlier on in the show, I mentioned to you, because you were poo-pooing the trail at House on the Hill 7 on uh, Board Game Geek, by the way. Uh, You were poo-pooing it, (laughs) and I think it's time that I took you to task for this. Yeah, I do have Betrayal at House on the Hill IBS. That's true. (laughs) I want you to uh, now 
tell me about some horror games that you love. And I would well, like to tell you about some horror games that I love. You know what? Considering that you're the one who set out the challenge, I'm even yeah. going to take a back seat. You go first. Tell me about a horror game, Jeff. Okay, I'm going to tell you about my honourable mention, or do we do that at the end? We'll do honourable mentions at the end, because this is a draft, okay. mate. So we've got to pick okay. the heavy hitters before the other person. I will tell you about a horror game that I love. And this is a game you need to play with the lights out. Play it by candlelight, because it is horrifying to the nth degree. It is called The Night Cage. It's a wonderful game. And it's a game, it's a cooperative game where... Players are in different parts of a prison. They've been locked up for a lot of years and they're completely discombobulated. They went in there with sacks on and they have to move around and find each other and find the exit. In every space they move, a space goes away. The prison's so old, the, the floor's fallen away in parts of it. Sometimes you need to just go across by rope. Sometimes you need to jump across. And if you jump badly, you injure yourself. Or... You die. This is a wonderful, wonderful game. It's atmospheric. It's genuinely scary. And the feeling when you win and you get out of the night cage is absolutely without peer. The night cage is an, a, a total winner. It's a complete winner. I, I, I love this game, and I can't wait to play it again even now. It's cooperative. It's scary, it's dark, and it's everything that makes a really, really good horror game. The The art style of this game is, like, genuinely thrilling to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's one where, correct me if I'm wrong, this game comes with a component that is a giant set of eyes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, really, really freaky stuff. There's a great review done by Spice 8 Rack on YouTube that uh, mentions not only the Night Cage uh, in their discussion of horrific board games, but some of the other games that maybe be in this draft. Um, and if you're looking to grab a copy of the Night Cage, your best chance right now might be, especially if you're watching this live, because there's not long left to jump onto Kickstarter because the new expansion, the Night Cage Shrieking Hollow, is up to be backed right now as we speak. Uh, Charlie Sutherland in the chat jumping in with, I love the Night Cage. Love to be brave enough to play it someday. Charlie, you can leave the lights on if you get that scared, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, good pick. Uh, I'm going to talk about something that it seems like on this channel we can't shut up about. Um, it's got to be the first pick for me if we're talking about horror games because I, I won't shut up about it even when we're not talking about horror games. And this is Final Girl. Final Girl, the solo game of playing a horror movie that comes in effectively VHX, VHS boxes that you can mix and match uh, between different uh, different little adventures. I've managed to go all in on the Season 3 Kickstarter, so I am going to have beyond everything for this game, including the, uh, the newly announced uh, special one that Kickstarter backers will get before Christmas of this year where you play against Krampus as the horrific villain that you have to fight uh, as Santa's elves annoy you. Um, it's anytime I'm talking about a solo game or a like clever mechanic or a horrific game, I talk about Final Girl because I can't stop thinking about it. The stories it makes are incredible. Jeff, I know that you recently... You know what? It up. Tonight, uh, you know what? Tonight... I actually took out my copy of Final Girl, and I have started with that very uh, that very villain and that very scenario at the campground. Uh, and I'm halfway through the game that I interrupted to come and have a chat with you. Uh, it's hard, isn't it? It's a really it's difficult game. Hard. That's something that if you if you jump into Final Girl, it's a horror movie where the villain very well may murder you because yes. not all horror movies have a happy ending. It's and it's tough. It's that thing between do I go for hostages or do I go for goodies? And how fast can I run away from this guy? <laughs> you know, it's it's wonderful. I'm 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 thoroughly enjoying it, but I'll be talking about it more soon when we look back on games that each other have discussed. Mechanically you... so clever as well. It's like it's like a deck builder, but your whole deck is in your hand, kind of. Yeah. It's it's really strange. Um I'll also mention difficulty-wise, while we're mentioning it, season one. There's a box called Slaughter at the Groves in which the uh, the killer is Inkan Yamba. Mm. If you manage to beat Inkan Yamba 
uh, I take my hat off to you because there's hard and then there's Inkanyamba. That, <laughs> that guy, whoa. Um, well, it, it, it is a lot of fun. And, and a lot of places now, because season three is about to come out, a lot of places have got season one at really, really good prices. But none would be better than Vault Games up there in Brisbane where you can get uh, you can get 10% off if you mention us. Um, 10%? Some. Something off. I don't know. Well, definitely go to vaultgames.com.au slash board of games podcast if you want to get any of these games we're talking about. See if they've got them because they tend to do really good prices on stuff. That's where I get all my stuff. Not space bees yet. But uh my number two, right? Because I think I think we're we're all out of final girl. My number two is the wonderful the thing. The thing at Outpost 31, Infection on Outpost 31. It's a hidden role game. It's a bit like Unfathomable. Uh but it's even more fun and you're uncovering goods and you're doing all kinds of things as you run away from the thing. The thing can take off some members of your crew, some can crawl out. Look, it's wonderful. And as always, there are people who are out there to sabotage you. There are people who aren't as good as others. It, as a hidden role game and as, an, a card, as a card contribution game, this is wonderful. And it has a huge player count as well. So I kind of like that. I like that you can play. I think it's up to nine people, which makes it even more fun. Uh, the thing is atmospheric. It's scary. Again, I like playing all of these by candlelight or by torchlight or by just a single lamp in the room because it all adds to the atmosphere and the and the contribution and the feeling that you get as you're playing these games. And the thing is certainly a good one and it's certainly a lot of fun. Uh, it's different to Unfathomable in that your villains are your villains. Once they've exposed themselves, that's it. They don't then add another villain. So Unfathomable has that. But I, I actually really like the thing. And I love I the theme of the thing. Like, it's such a classic horror movie of you're yeah. isolated, you're surrounded yeah. by these people, and any of them could be out to get you. And there's a few things you have to do before you can escape. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of cool. Like, you have to try the phones, and sometimes they'll work, but then... You know, they can cut out and things like that. It's look, it's a great game. It's a terrific game. I, I really and it does it. go up to eight players. And in something eight. that you almost eight. never see on Board Game Geek, the the fan, the community has voted that the best player count is the full player count of eight. The full player count. That yes, never it happens. It, I played with that. I played with eight, and it was absolutely wonderful because there's that complete unknown mechanic about it which is just wonderful. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Now, when it comes to horror, this is kind of its own genre of horror, right? And that's the mythos. The mythos that started with H.P. Lovecraft in mm. this, like, supernatural, magical, old god setting. And there's a lot of games with this theme. Cthulhu is, like, the most mind villain in board games. There are so many, and none of them, none of those games do the feeling of playing through a story and embracing that horror theme quite like Arkham Horror the Card Game. Again, I know that this is a double up from when I talked about thematic games, but how could it not be? This is a game where the whole mechanic is that you've got to get through a story. You've got to make choices. Often you've got to choose when to leave, when you've had enough, because if you keep trying to advance, you'll just go insane from the unimaginable horrors that you're facing. Uh, Reese, I'm currently playing a campaign with my partner and another couple, uh, actually a couple that we know through Vault Games, so highly recommend there. But we're playing through a scenario where we saw a strange play and then we went to investigate the background of this play. And then mid-campaign, we took a moment off to go and try and rob a casino. And I know that sounds bizarre, but we had a game where we got so, so badly beaten. We didn't run away fast enough was the problem. We tried to case the joint, but we just didn't leave in time and security started standing by the front door and everything just fell apart. And the feeling of tension, the feeling of fear when you know that there is something big and covered in tentacles right around that corner and you can't run very fast, but it can. Um truly horrific and a really a game where it makes you invest in the horror story that it's telling uh really really enjoying arkham horror the card game 
please do not do what I do and try to play it solo with just a core set. Find someone who already has some cards and will play a three or four player game with you. You'll love it. Yes. Well, my last one is one I've mentioned before. Should I guess? Should I guess? Once or twice. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, it's Cascadero by Dr. Reiner Knizia, right? Yeah. You just like saying Reiner Knizia. Anyway. I do. um, This is phenomenal. This is scary, genuinely scary. You can play this with the lights on and you're still petrified. It is Nemesis. It's a hidden role game. Well, it's a hidden mission game and a hidden objective game. In some games, everyone will be nice. In other games, everyone's going to be horrible. You wake up on a ship, you have amnesia, you know you're not alone. Every round, you have to go into a bag. Uh, Moving around the ship, you make noise. You have to put a noise token down. More than one noise token in a corridor, you dip into that bag and you pull out, you know, a lava, that's fine. A creeper, it's a bit nasty. An adult, that's not so nice. A replicator, that's getting bad. Or the queen, you don't want to pull out the queen. Sometimes, you, no matter what you pull out, they can bugger off, maybe once or twice a game. But all the other times, you're in a lot of trouble. This is just fantastic. I've made two sequels. One is out already. Uh, it's called uh, Nemesis Lockdown. And the other one, Retaliation, that's out sometime in the next few months on GameFound. This is just brilliant. And the feeling of paranoia as well, because everyone has unique goals and those goals may involve you not surviving. Quite often it's you need to, you um, player three cannot survive. So you need to find a way to kill them, but you can't directly attack them. So I was playing a game and I think I told this story before, but I was playing a game with some friends and I, Kyle was looking at me going, I'm going to kill you, Jeff. I'm going to find a way to kill you. I'm going to find a way to kill you. Ben, who was sitting immediately, to, and he was across the table, Ben immediately to my left, pokes me on the shoulder and goes, Carl's only got one injury left and then he's dead, isn't he? And he said, yeah. He goes, shows it to me. He goes, if I throw this in his room, then he dies. It was a hand grenade. And I said, oh, thank you, Ben. And then Ben showed me his mission, which was player one, who was Kyle, cannot survive. You can't trust each other. You don't know where you're going. Someone could say the ship's going to Earth. No, it's going to Mars. You've got to go to Earth to win. They could say two engines are functioning. No, they're not. None of them are. It's great. Amazing game. You are a Nemesis fan. It's well known. Um, The games that we've talked about, Final Girl, The Night Cage, The Thing, Nemesis, uh, the, the Arkham Horror collectible card game, these have been like genuinely kind of frightening games. I want to pitch to you a horror game that's a little goofy because it uses classic universal monsters. That's oh, right. Wow. You know, the Frankenstein with the arms outstretched in front of him and the yeah. bride with the big beehive hairdo, a classic yeah. Dracula, a, a creature from the Black Lagoon, perhaps. This game is horrified. I I adore this game. Um, some people call it a pandemic killer. I don't think it's quite a pandemic killer, but... I have chosen to play this over Pandemic more than once. This is a straight-up, simple, cooperative game where you've got a few actions each turn, you move around a board of connected places, maybe you pick up some objects as your actions, maybe you try and help some civilians get to the place they're going because that'll give you a special card. But in each game, you're going to have a couple, at least, of these classic universal monsters on the way to get you. And every one of them has a unique little mini game to try to fight them off. Peter Dawes in the chat has mentioned, my class is obsessed with this game. It's awesome. Yes, I may have brought this into uh, Miss Dawes' classroom and gotten the children completely hooked on it because it's a game that's simple enough for primary school kids to play. It says ages 10 and up on the box, but you can put four monsters in and get ruined. Because every one of them has such a unique little mechanic to play with. Maybe you're playing against the mummy and you have to use items to get actions on a little sliding tile puzzle to assemble the scarab that will expose his weakness. 
Maybe you're playing against the Invisible Man and you need to collect evidence of all his crimes and bring them to the police station before you're able to put him under arrest. Maybe you're fighting Dracula and you need to go all, the, all across the board destroying his coffins so that when you finally fight him with some garlic, he will actually stay dead. Um, this game is so cool. It's a really simple cooperative game with a theme that everyone can immediately latch onto. Oh, I don't want to be hunted by the wolf man. I want to take him out with some silver. Yes, you get it. You got it. Good. We're in. We're ready to go. And then it's a simple cooperative game where everyone's having a little bit of a goofy time. But every so often, you'll see how close Frankenstein is to you and you'll go, oh, no, he's going to get me. That's horrifying. That sounds delightful, Lachlan. Just before we move on, I am actually going to complain about Horrified. I know this is weird, complaining about my own draft pick. Here's my complaint about Horrified. I want to play it more, and it's so open to them being more that they've made two new games with the Horrified system. Horrified came out, and then they did uh, Horrified American Monsters, I believe it's called, which is all cryptids. It's Bigfoot, and it's the Jackalope and you've got to take them out. And then just recently, they released Horrified Greek Monsters, which is all of the, you know, the Cyclops and the Harpies and all of these classic Greek monsters. But the games don't integrate. You can't mix and match. And that sends me wild, because if you could, I would have dropped a lot of money on a very simple cooperative game, because I love Horrified A. Um, oh, that sounds... Quickly. Yeah, that it's sounds... great. Oh delightful it really does it sounds absolutely fantastic and i was just looking up where to get it in australia <laughs> and heck i might as well go to vault games website because they've probably got it yeah vaultgames.com.au slash board of games podcast is where i would go do we want to quickly make some honorable mentions yeah i'm i look i mentioned this in in the thing uh and and that is unfathomable unfathomable is a delightful board game uh it's a hidden role game where you will have some hybrid trailing you and getting closer and closer and oh it's just wonderful um it is it does involve cthulhu as well mama dagon and and, and papa dagon are there to take you out and in, uh, break the ship it's very difficult to win if you're a human uh just because so many things can go wrong so quickly and if you pass tests it's still difficult to win uh yeah uh, unfathomable it's great I've got, a few, I've got a few to mention. I mentioned Vagrant Song earlier in the podcast. Vagrant Song, functionally a dungeon crawler, but a game where you are on a train along with a lot of ghosts and you've got to help them move on to the afterlife by dungeon crawling. But it does it with this cool, um, if you've seen Cuphead, kind of like the retro classic cartoon Betty Boop style animation. Um, a hmm. really cool theme to put on a game. Um, that's really strange and a little spooky and creepy, but in a fun way. Uh, on top of that, I'll mention Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space. This is uh -huh. a game that's been around for a while that is a uh, a hidden movement kind of traitor game where you don't know who's coming to get you. You all have your own little map of a spaceship that you've got to try to escape, but you can't see where everyone else is. There's noises in the ship that other people are making. Could the noise be coming from where they actually are? Could it be coming from somewhere else? Who knows? But there's aliens who want to eat you somewhere. Um, a, a great horror game. Uh, another one I'll bring up is Ghost Stories. This one is uh, has recently been remade with a more classic European defending a castle theme. But this is, hey, I know I mentioned Inkanyambe and Final Girl before. You want to talk hard games? I only play ghost stories on the introductory difficulty and I lose more than I win. And that has you fighting one of the seven bosses that are in the full game. You randomly pick one for the introductory difficulty. The full version has you shuffle all seven together. I don't think it's possible. I've been told that it's possible. I've been told that the designer has done it. I don't know if I believe them. It's a really great cooperative game that is absolutely hard as nails. Uh, another one I'll shout out is Mysterium. I'm sorry for just rolling on through like a train in Vagrant Song here, Jeff, but I got a bunch of honorable mentions to get through. Mysterium, a great party game with a horror theme 
where almost all the players are mediums coming to a haunted house, and the ghost player has to communicate Cluedo-style the killer weapon and location of a bunch of murders. Ooh! But the ghost can only communicate through dreams by giving you cards with weird images on them and then you have to interpret those images try and work out what your ghost friend is trying to tell you just by looking at a picture if you've ever played uh dixit you would know this mechanic very well uh but using it to solve some crimes is just a delight and allows a ghost who is not allowed to talk to make some really funny moaning sounds for a whole game and the last game i want to mention is a game that i want to play more but no one will play with me because i have a hard time getting people to play negotiation games it's city of horror i understand why people don't like it because the theme of city of horror is that everyone is in a city that is being invaded by zombies you've all locked yourself into buildings but guess what there's not enough food to go around so every round you'll need to vote to kick a couple of people out the front door and feed them to the zombies. Just so that you don't have to get kicked out, you know? So just let's negotiate. Let's talk about who's got the power in this situation. Um, and the fact that I'm holding a handgun should tell you something. It's that kind of game, right? Throw your power around. Pretend to be strong when you're not. Pretend to be weak when you're not. Have arguments with people. Make each other sad. Um... But then, you know, be friends at the end, I hope, because this game is awesome. But the feeling of the zombies at your door and knowing that not all of you can survive and trying to be the one who does, very tense. Very, very horrific game. It would be also remiss of me not to mention Blood on the Clock Tower as obviously a simultaneously hilarious and very, very paranoia-inducing game. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the games that we did pick on our draft. Jeff's draft, The Night Cage, The Thing, Infection at Outpost 31, and Nemesis. Meanwhile, I typed the wrong thing on my slide. No, you love the, Nemesis. The visual there will indicate that I like Nemesis, a game which I have never played in my life. But I chose to draft Arkham Horror the Card Game as I type that into the chat, as well as Final Girl and Horrified. So you know what? We've got a bunch of people in the chat at the moment, or at least we did. If you're in the chat, feel free to sing out who you think had a better draft, because I would love to hear your opinions on those games. But Jeff, we've managed to hit a lot of games tonight. It's been a really good time, and I love uh, I love letting you know what went down at PAX, and I, I managed to see the delightful Ray and Tim while it packs, which is always a lovely time. And of course, the highlight of the night and the podcast and packs. Space bees! I wish I had like a, a little video to show of space bees. I've got the segments, I've got no space bees. <laughs> it is a but, great game. Uh, but hit, if hit, you uh, are. Yeah, if you're interested in getting any of the games that we've mentioned, including, I believe, pre-orders for APRE will be up very soon at Vault Games, head on over to vaultgames.com.au slash Podcast. You'll be able to get anything that we mention there. And thank you to Vault Games for supporting us. Also, Board of Games Podcast on Instagram and on Twitch, Board of Games on Facebook, Board of Games Pod on Twitter slash X. Um, you know, make sure you're following us wherever you can so that you get notified of what we're doing. We're getting better at doing the promos. We just had a crazy one today and we wanted to talk board games desperately. So we got on here and did that. You can also follow us wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Podcast Addict or, you know, Apple Podcasts or absolutely whatever. Um, get along, you know, make sure you're following us. Shout out to Peter Dawes who just ordered Horrified American Monsters. Good on you, Peter. That's the way. Um, but luckily yeah. she paid for it. She paid for it with whoops. Yeah, that's exactly right. Whoops. Um, Whoops. <laughs> thank you so much to all the people who do watch and listen to the podcast. It means a lot. If you are on Apple Podcasts, we would love a review. If you could give us five stars, that does go a long way into getting us some more listeners that we can help recommend awesome games to. Just want to mention that Tim has said that the thing, Infection at Outpost 31, has a gameplay video instructional with Elijah Wood on YouTube. Woo! Yes, it does. I, I think it's just because he was a fan of it. I don't think that yeah. there was any, like, no money changed hand. You just love the game. So, uh, yeah, it's wonderful. Have a look at that. Uh, Tim and Ray, I'm happy to bring it around one day. <laughs> one thing to rule them all, one thing to bind them. Thank you very much. Um, 
that is all for us here at Board of Games. Is there anything else you've got to mention, Jeff, before we go? Uh, don't forget that we are on Wrestle Radio Australia on Thursday night at about the same time, kicking off at about 8.30. Uh, and also, once again, I'm at the Bendigo Board Game uh, Convention in a couple of weeks. It's called the BIG Weekend on Facebook. Look that up. And I'll be storytelling some platter on the clock tower. And also playing Septima and Apiary and lots of wonderful games I got at PAX. I can't wait. I hope you can make it out there. Uh, everything's on their Facebook page, so hat. If you're in the Brisbane area, check out uh, Vault Games. has a couple of events coming up that I will be at. First of all, I'll be helping to run the Marvel Champions Science Fiction Double Feature event that is coming up later this month. I believe it's on the 28th off the top of my head. Come along to that. You'll see me in costume helping run an event with the lovely Sally. We will play some Marvel Champions, have some fun, give out some candy. Also on the 28th, Vault Games is hosting The Lock-In, an annual event they do where they shut the doors at 10 p.m., lock you in, they order some pizzas and you play until the morning when they let you out. So much fun. A huge night of gaming oh, that everyone should come along to. It's an absolute delight. And while we're mentioning things that we're doing, both Jeff and I will be live on November the 11th next month at uh, twitch.tv slash Australia, where to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Wrestle Radio Australia, we will be hosting a 10-hour live stream. I believe we've set that from about midday, but either way, keep up with that channel. You'll be able to see us there. We will be doing some uh, some goofy stuff, to say the least, and a little bit of taunting of our good friend Todd, the host over there. But until we see you next time, on behalf of Jeff Setti, I've been Lachlan Albert. Have a good one. Space Bands! The bloody and burglarous Sushiko Chaos must wrap to Pandemic A2. Noir ladies and gentlemen, Sheriff of Nottingham, Stinker redacted in coup. Restaurante Italia, Mortimer Rosso, Betrayal and House on